Looks like they're headed to Children's Church, so I must have got that right, huh? We're going to continue our study of of Acts this morning. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 14, that's where we've been, and that's where we're going to be again today. We're going to finish up chapter 14. We talked last week about how faith in Christ does not automatically mean that you won't face troubles in life. Um, But we also said that the fact that we, we face troubles in life with Christ we literally face our troubles, the hard times, the, the, the hardships, with Christ inside us. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of everything we know is with us through our suffering, through the hard times. And we're going to see this morning how it's also the job of the church. It's also the job of the church to suffer together. So we're going to see that as we, uh, as we go on this morning. Now, Paul and Barnabas uh, are, we're going to see, they are going to go back through the places that they have preached already. They're going to go back through Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. They're going to go back through these places to encourage the churches that are planted there. And this is important historically, and we'll talk about that. But, uh, but first, let's read the scripture. It's for, Acts 14, starting in verse 21. After they had preached the gospel in the town and made disciples, made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed, to them, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and then came to, to Pamphylia. After, that, after they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. And from there, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. After they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a considerable amount of time with the disciples. So let's first talk about the context because um, the, the historical context is important here. Realize these are the first church plants ever. Ever. We think about this church planting idea and, and we think, well, it happens all the time in our day, and it does. But these are literally the first ones ever. Now, this this original church, remember, born on on Pentecost, born on the day of Pentecost, in Jerusalem, and they sent out some folks. They sent Peter, and they sent John, and they sent Philip, and they went and and preached the gospel, spread the word of the Lord, as it was said, but then they came back to Jerusalem. This, Paul and Barnabas go through, and they spread the, the gospel, and they start churches, Never before done. Never before in history. So this is, this is historic. This is big because it's the first ever church plants. And, and, it, and we, get, we get to see them right here. And we get to see how they're set up. And we get to see what they do. And so first it, it says that they went through setting up these churches. 
Now, they're setting up these churches by, by having uh, lay leaders, as they're, as they're called today, and, and still even then. Now, all that means is leadership in the church that are volunteers, that are regular folks, people with jobs and, and so forth. They, just like us and deacons and elders and those kind of things in the New Testament church today, it is lay leadership. At this point in history, there is no such thing as a professional clergy yet. Now, that comes in as history goes on. That comes in. In fact, pastor was one of the first professions to ever be called professional. And, and the, the word profession or professional, Merriam-Webster actually says that it comes from the idea of a calling requires, requiring specialized knowledge and often long and intensive academic training. And, and, it, and it comes from the idea of taking a religious vow. To profess something is to take a religious vow. So you have the, the, the professional clergy come later in history. But what we see here is they put elders and deacons in charge of stuff. And then he later, Paul will later in his letters... Uh, first and second Timothy, his letters to Timothy, he'll talk about the qualifications for those folks. So we literally see the, the first ever church plants being built up, being set up in the first ever Christian church. So again, I want you to, to, to get a sense of the history of this because now there's been Jewish synagogues in certain towns. Some towns had them, some didn't. But that is entirely different. These churches included Jews and Gentiles. They included everyone who believed in the name of Jesus. So this is a brand new thing for a brand new faith. And so what we see as they set these up is important for us to look at. Because, quite frankly, we still set church up to do exactly what these churches did. We still set church up the same way. Now, I, I want to mention one other thing because it just stuck out to me. And that is, did you notice that Paul went to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch? Do you remember in Lystra, just last week, they tried to kill him there. They stoned him and drug his body out of the city, figuring he was dead. And it was the Jews from Antioch and from Iconium that stirred up the people in the Lystra that made them stone him. And yet, what does Paul do? He goes back. Now, I, I would be impressed and think that, that Paul had an incredible courage, but honestly, I just think Paul's incredibly obedient. The Spirit of God told him to go back, and so he did. He didn't think about or, or didn't let the, the thoughts of, they just tried to kill me there, stop him. He just went. He just went back. He went back to Lystra. He went back to Iconium. He went back to Antioch. So it, he, he impresses me here. And, and it says that he went back to encourage the, the churches that he had planted. Think about what an encouragement this would have been. Because these churches had probably heard by now that Paul was stoned to death outside of Lystra. You, you can bet that these guys that, that came down from Antioch and Iconium that, that stoned Paul, you can bet they went back bragging about that, right? They went back bragging about, we killed that dude. And now, there, the guy, there he is, standing in front of them in their church. 
encouraging now. That would have been pretty encouraging. <laughs> that, that would have been groundbreaking. So, so Paul and Barnabas go back, and they, this is, uh, we see how, how this mission trip works now. They started in Antioch. It was a church in Antioch that sent them out. They go all through these towns preaching the gospel and starting churches, something that's never been done before. Then when they get to the end here, they come back through, encourage the churches that they have planted and go back to the church that sent them in Antioch. So it's kind of the capstone of this missionary journey. And, and so it, it tells us that, that, they, that he encouraged them. He, he, verse 19 says to continue in the faith and then uh, they get back to the end of this, where they started in this journey. So what, this, what does this church do? What do all of these churches do that we still do today, that's still part of the DNA of every New Testament church, or should be? The first one we see is that they suffer together. Paul says, and you know, I, I said last week, that, that coming to faith in Christ doesn't mean everything's going to go swimmingly from there. We still have problems. We still face hardships, but we don't face them alone. We face them with Christ, and we face them with each other. Paul completely dispels the idea that, that, that the Christian life is easy when he says it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I'm sorry if this is news to you. If you have believed, it seems like those guys mostly are on TV now, <laughs> but it, it, if you have believed that, that it's just going to go well for you now that you've come to Christ, then, then, then Paul dispels that. Hear Paul's words when he says, it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It isn't going to be easy. But you are not alone going through it. We have Christ, and as we see here, we have each other. Now, Paul expounds upon this in his letters, in his, in his letters to the Ephesians, the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Colossians. He, he expounds upon this, and he, and he starts calling them the one another's. Now, you know the one another's of the New Testament? There's about a hundred of them. Bear, bear one another's burdens, love one another, forgive one another. Uh, the one another's. There's about a hundred of them in the New Testament, and... and Somewhere close to 60 of them, or a little over 60 of them, are by Paul. So he expounds upon this idea that we are put together on purpose. That, that we, we are put together for one another. That we suffer together, caring for one another. It's not a, it's not a new concept. It, we see it in the very beginning. We see it when Paul goes back through these churches and tells them that there's going to be hardships. We see that the church, it's in the DNA of every New Testament church to care for one another. We don't suffer alone as Christians because we have Christ, but we also don't suffer alone as Christians because we have each other. We have one another to suffer with. It's part of the reason of the church. It's, it's one of the main ministries of the church, part of the mission of the church right from the beginning is to care for one another. And then they pray together. Did you see that? They prayed and fasted together. This is the place where you find people to pray for you. This is the place where you find people to pray with you. 
We do not suffer alone here. We have Christ and we have each other. And we have, we have prayer warriors within our church. We have prayer war, warriors that will pray with you this morning. Right now, right here. We do not suffer alone. The church suffers together. And then the next thing we see is that the church rejoices together. Verse 27 tells us that, that Paul and Barnabas reported everything God had done when they, went, when they got back to the church that sent them. And they celebrate what God has done. This is another important mission, another important ministry of the church is we rejoice together. When God answers prayer, we rejoice together. We rejoice in our salvation. Notice that they, said that they rejoiced in the fact that, that, that the gospel was able to go to Gentiles, to non-Jews. They rejoiced in that. We rejoice in our salvation together. We rejoice in what God is doing in our lives together. This is more than humming along with the worship songs. This is telling one another what's going on in your life, how God's working. It's, and if you don't have something to rejoice about in, in what God's doing in your life, then rejoice with somebody who does. Because we rejoice together just like we suffer together. We rejoice together. It, it's, it's an incredibly important ministry of the church, and it's in the DNA of these first ever church plants. They rejoice together. And then the next thing we see them doing is teaching new leaders, teaching new disciples. It, Paul and Barnabas returned to the church that sent them out. The, the verse says uh, that that. They returned to the one that commended them, commended the, the grace of God to, to send them out. So they return back to the church that they came from. And they start telling the stories of what just happened. They start telling the stories of the, of the mission field. These are the first real missionaries and church planters, the first real church planters of all time. And so they, they, they come back and they start talking to the other Disciples, this is what happened. We saw healing and we got harmed. <laughs> we, we saw God do amazing things. We saw people come to Christ and we saw people reject him. They tell the stories. They teach the new disciples. They teach the, the new folks, the, 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 the new believers, what faith looks like. They continue to teach they had, uh, you know, think about this story as we have, we have kind of broken it up as we've worked our way through it. But think about the story of they go to synagogues and they're welcomed there and then kicked out of there. And they go to, <laughs> they go to uh, towns and they are welcomed there and then kicked out of there. And they, they are, just, just this entire mission trip story has to be told. And they're telling it to the church that sent them. Now in the next chapter... Uh, in chapter 15 of Acts, we have what's called the Jerusalem Council. And this is the meeting of all of the apostles saying, can the gospel go to the Gentile? Can, it, can the gospel go? This is a Jewish God with a Jewish Messiah. How is it non-Jews can, can have faith in this? And, and they're going to have that meeting in Acts 15. But I don't want you to miss something here. This church in Antioch was the leader here. 
This church in Antioch sent out missionaries into the Gentile world to tell them about Christ. They have seen things that none of the rest of the Jerusalem Council have seen. They have seen people come to Christ who they never thought could. They have seen Gentiles, non-Jews, Greeks, uh, what they would call dogs, coming to Christ and being filled with the Spirit just like the Jewish people are. So they have a story to tell, and they tell it at church. They tell it by teaching other disciples. So how does this relate to our church today? Well, our church, we're, we're a part of the cooperative program. Now, the cooperative program is, it supports North American Mission Board, or NAM, and International Mission Board, or IMB. These two organizations, supported by little churches like ours, send missionaries around the world. This process that we see in Acts 14 is happening right now in some place in the world because of of the donations you make here that we take a percentage of and send on to the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board. These, uh, we, the, the cooperative program gives a little church like ours the opportunity to reach people in Africa and reach people in the Middle East and reach people all over the world. It's the best missionary organization in the world. And we be a part of it simply by the, our giving here. So our church is, is part of this, this process that we see here. People going, preaching the gospel, starting churches, raising up lay leaders, finding a pastor and training him and, and, and putting him over a church. This whole process is going on today somewhere in the world because of the, the, the donations you make here. Pretty, pretty awesome. So we are still part of this process. We still have lay leadership like they did then. We have deacons that, that, don't, that don't work at the church for money. They work at the church because they're volunteering. We have uh, worship leaders. We have uh, Sunday school and, and children's church. And all of these people are, are volunteers, volunteering their time so that we can do church every day. Every Sunday. And all of these ministries, these important ministries that are part of the DNA of the church, you can find here. We, we struggle together. We suffer together. No one suffers alone. We rejoice together. No one has to rejoice alone. We pray together for each other, with each other. And we are still teaching disciples, making the, the next generation believers in Christ, disciples of Christ. You know, as, uh, as Jesus chose his disciples, the first thing he said was, come follow me. Then, after three years of, of, of them following him, he says, go and make disciples. We cannot get those backwards. We must first get come follow me. Then we can go and make disciples. That's what we see here. This is the first church plants in history. And they don't look much different 
than our church this morning, do they? This is the church's job. So I'm going to ask if you have something that you're suffering with, that you share it with somebody. I'm going to ask that you, if you have something to rejoice in, share it with somebody. This is the place. This is the place where we, where we suffer together, we rejoice together, we pray together. This is the place. This family is built for that purpose. We see it all the way back in the very first churches ever planted. So I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Do you have something you are suffering with? Let somebody know here. Let them pray with you. Let them suffer alongside with you. Let them help you. Do you have something to rejoice in this morning? Let somebody know and let someone rejoice with you. You need prayer this morning. Let somebody know and let them ask them to pray with you or for you. That's what church is. This isn't entertainment. I'm not good enough for that. We are put together for this purpose. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, that we, that your plan from the very beginning was to put us together. The Christian life was never meant to be lived in isolation. It was never meant to be lived alone. It was meant to be lived in community like this. We thank you that we suffer together that we rejoice together, that we pray together, and that we make disciples together, just as these first churches did. I ask you, Father, to continue to build this church, build in us what you would have. Strengthen us, guide us, make us wholly yours. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen.